2: Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. No Jack this week. He's busy playing football. Uh, so he missed out on Chelsea blitzing Sampson 6-0, which we will get onto later. But returning to the podcast for the third time, I believe, this season. It's Mr. Patrick Larson. Patrick, how are we doing?
1: I'm doing well, Nick. How about yourself?
2: Pat, we've just won 6-0. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling quite good. And obviously, you know, we'll get onto it as well. Manchester United lost today. Arsenal lost today. So it's been a it's been a very good day, you know, for Chelsea in the top four race if we were in a top... Four race and we have a very special guest a brand new guest joining us on the podcast for the first time we've obviously been chatting on twitter for a little while now but it's jessica Frotta. jessica how are we doing
0: hi i'm doing great with that result i mean how how could i not be doing that was amazing amazing match for us
2: yeah no exactly exactly it was uh as i always do with guests i get them to give themselves a little plug on Twitter so where people can find them, their work or, you know, et cetera. Uh, Pat, you're the returning guest. I'll go to you first. Where can people find your handle on Twitter? see you know, all, all the work you do, your, your match previews, reviews, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So um, I, as Nick said, I do match previews and reviews and the odd video from time to time. Um, you can find me on Twitter at um, at, at PTP underscore C-O-Y-B. And like I said, just just talk about all things Chelsea and how much you know we love the club and try to keep it positive if we can. And, um, yeah, that's where you can find me.
2: Nice one, nice one. As I say, Pat's links will be in the description below. And Jessica, why don't you tell the people of Twitter where they can find you and drop your follow? Because you are, as I said, Jess has been one of the, the lovely people we've actually met through Twitter probably this season, but also probably fairly recently ish in comparison to, to a lot of the other guests. Um, so just when you tell people where they can find you and obviously you uh, work with, you know, supporters group as well in Brazil.
0: First of all, um, thank you for the kind words. Uh, people can find me at, at uh, jefrota, je, underline frota, which is G- um, And But I, uh, the supporters group in Brazil is a really great group. If you want to talk to more Brazilian Chelsea fans, there's great content, great people. It's at Chelsea Brazil, but Brazil with an S, which is how we write it in, in Portuguese.
2: Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. But again, Jess and that other link will be in the description below. Make sure you check them out. And you say we do have listeners pretty much around the globe. So any Brazilians, hit hit Jess up and hit um hit the sports group up as well. Right, we did win six 0 and it was very good. But unfortunately, we have to talk about a rather damning loss in the Champions League quarterfinals against Real Madrid. Um, Pat, I'll go to you first. Just quick thoughts on the game. Is it one of those where? A general sense of frustration, given the fact that we were probably, you know, we caused cra- caused our own downfall ourselves.
1: Absolutely, and you know, I actually thought that we were the better team to start off the game, and you know, we kind of came out came out of the blocks playing really, really well. But you know, it's a, a classic case of not taking our chances, which has been a story of a lot of lot of times this season. And then, you know, I know we will get into this probably, but Karim Benzema you know, showing what a world-class striker he is. I mean, you know, you give him a little bit of a sniff of the goal and he's going to take advantage of it. Um, he was the one I was worried about going into the game. He's the reason that Real Madrid are even at this stage of the competition. And, yeah, I mean, you make a couple mistakes against the good teams in this stage of the Champions League, you're probably going to be punished, especially by a player as good as Benzema. But, you know, I don't think we're completely out of it yet. But, um, you know, especially with the the away goals rule taken out this year, um, I still think that there's – if we play like th- play like we did today, there's still a chance because let's not forget Real Madrid did that to PSG. So, you know, um, but, yeah, as far as the first leg, very, very frustrating because we know we, we that we defend better than that. And this past week has just been, you know, today aside, abysmal defensively. So, definitely a frustrating loss to take.
2: Yeah, no, indeed. But, you know, we're 8-7 up and I grew over the last three games. So, you know, we're ahead on, on that aspect. Um, yeah. Jessica, I guess – It's also one of those where we're at this stage of a competition, you go up against the best players in the world. And I think, I guess, the difference was on show with Real Madrid having a world-class striker up front and us having our supposedly world-class striker on the bench who was brought on and then missed two opportunities. And when you see the quality of Kareem Benzema's goals, obviously the third goal, unfortunately, was a gift, but the other two goals, I think is it just a case of you just have to sort of take your hat off and just go, actually, this is what you get at this stage of the competition. Karim Benzema is world class, and you have to say Real Madrid. Credit to them. You know those first two goals were were very well worked.
0: Um, for me, this is a tricky one because, as Pat said, it was very frustrating. Because and, and for for the for the whole day, actually, I had to watch the rewatch the match uh, again afterwards because at first I couldn't really credit Madrid. I was just very focused on our mistakes, and to me, the fact that we could have been level with them even with our abysmal defending and our players not playing well, just made me just be like, oh, Madrid didn't play that well. We just played horribly. Uh, But watching back, you have to give credit to to Madrid. Uh, Their press was was great. Um, Cutting Benzema is just, it's a different class and it showed. uh, We couldn't really close down on Vini, so Vini had a lot of space. Uh, At this stage of the competition, as you said, you're gonna find those sorts of players So you have to be up there because even if I don't, and I don't think Madrid did the the most incredible match they ever played, uh, but they had those players to make a difference. And those players will make a difference even more if, if we don't uh, step up to the plate. And I think, but, but as also, as Pat said, I don't think the, the tie is over yet. I think if it ended 2-1, I would be a lot more confident. So our chances are slim, but, but, it's not over until it's over. Maybe that's just wishful thinking, but I believe in our players when, they're, when they decide to show up. So hopefully we'll see that. And our away form, I think it's better than our home form. So that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, no, Zali. Exactly. Chelsea away from home are a lot more enjoyable uh, to watch. I'll get on to the difference in our away form and home form when we talk about uh, the Premier League a bit later. But yeah, unfortunately, you know, two first two rounder goals, two headers, um, again, it's a... I think the difference, I look back about the Lille game, I think in the, the second leg, it was, we were poised at 1-1 and they hit the post. I think the cross came in and they hit a post and the difference is Real Madrid have Benzema up front and it's in the back of the net. That's what you get at this stage of competition. We were taught a harsh lesson when really Real Madrid didn't really even have to play that well. As said, they were good, scored some really good goals, but we also did gift them a goal in that third goal, unfortunately, that pass from Eddie Mendy. Uh, you know, could be could be the goal that knocks out of the Champions League, but we will have to wait and see. Yeah, it was a tough night. But Pat, I guess one, the positive, and this was my biggest positive night, Kai Havertz was the one player on that pitch for me who really showed he belonged at this level. And we're sort of seeing the recent weeks, probably the best form of Kai Havertz at Chelsea career. Obviously, he scored today against Hampton as well. Uh, but we're just sort of seeing, you know, the player we thought we'd signed. This is a player who is stepping up to the plate. He's only 22 years old and he is showing that he really belongs at, at this level. That's obviously goal in... Champions League round of 16 this year round going the the final that's, you know, to go over a, a goal in the Champions League final last year. Uh, he is really showing, you know, the quality he has. And, you know, he is the one, you know, our biggest hope, I guess, going forward to that, that second leg in Madrid, but, you know, the, the jewel now crown.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we knew when we signed Kai Havertz, we, you know, if you ever saw him play at Leverkusen, you knew what type of talent he had. I mean, he was far and away, one of the best players in the Bundesliga and, it just took him a little bit of time to, to, you know, to bet into the English way of playing football. And that's something I think we have to remember so many times when players come over, we expect them, every player to hit the ground running. Every player is different and every player is going to take their own time. And uh, the thing with Kai Havertz is he would have flashes of the player that we know that he is, but he never really put together a real consistent run of really good form. But this season Ever since he's gotten, he's taken that number nine position. He's come in and what he's really started doing is he started playing consistently. Well, Nick, as you referenced, and he's a big game player, as you referenced, he's scoring in the round of 16. He's, he's scoring in big, big games. And there's a big difference between a a forward who's only scoring when we're already three nil up versus a guy that's getting those big goals. I mean, we look no further than the champions league final last season. I mean, uh, you know, and in the club world cup, he shows up in big moments and, Um, it's going to be really, really important to have him. And, you know, that he got through this game unscathed and, you know, he's, he's going to be a big reason of if we can turn this tie around in in Madrid, I think he's going to be a big reason for that.
2: Yeah. No, exactly. Kai was, you know, pretty, pretty and See the one player out there who really thought, you know, showed that he really belonged at that level. Unfortunately he said the goals were were poor. You know, I think the gaps, you know, the space Benzema had for those two headers was uh, the amount of space he had was a bit of a joke. And unfortunately, you said that third goal, Mendy, which, you know, maybe it's been coming. We don't, I don't want to be too harsh on Eddie Mendy because he's been absolutely fantastic and he saved our bacon a lot this season and it has been phenomenal in his career. But the distribution has been suspect at points. We have seen it in recent weeks against Brentford. It was suspect against Liverpool and got Carabao Cup final, was masterful, but great, gave away that one big chance. Manchester United game at home early in the season gave away a chance for Fred, which thankfully it was Fred and he chipped it straight at, at the keeper. But it was one of those where we got, you know, we have been for ourselves in, in difficult positions, but it was. It was a tough one, uh, you know, to really, yeah, to, to process well because it was just at the start of the second half when you thought, you know, 2-1 down, if we, you know, we can get back into this. We said we did create chances. Thibaut Courtois, brilliant save from Asplacueta's shot. We say Rom Giltesh headed wide, which he, there's really no excuse to score. And we did create chances, which was the biggest frustration. So, you know, going down 3-1 in that first leg was very, very tough to take. And Tuchel was not happy. Tuchel was not happy. You know, he said he watched the game. Bag he had to wash it twice for speed because Val was at points. He was, he was eating uh, chocolate. Uh, we do not know what chocolate Thomas Tuchel was eating, but it'll be interesting to find out what it was. But it was just a very frustrating uh, Dave Tuchel. And it was, you know, probably the low point in Chelsea season, Pat, would you say? I mean, I guess I guess a low point in a Champions League quarterfinals, not that bad, but it did feel for, for that game and maybe the sort of the immediate aftermath that almost for life had been drained out of our season in a way. it just for, you know. Just however short-lived that was, because I think obviously after today, we probably said we feel so energised again now for for the season going forward. But for those, you know, for 24, 48, 72 hours, it did really feel like our season was just like the season that started so well, full of potential, full of promise. You really thought it's actually going to be quite underwhelming
1: yeah if you look at the TL you would have thought that the world was ending but you know that that tends to happen whenever Chelsea goes into the you know this type of form but I think it I think it's a couple of things compounded with the ownership's ownership situation with what happened you know last weekend at Brentford the the way we took the lead and we just capitulated after that a la West Brom last season and um and then the, the loss against Madrid when when most of us, I think, would have would have admitted we thought we had a pretty, you know, we thought we had a really good chance going into this two-legged affair. And um, just for that to happen and for, for it to happen in the way that it did, it was so atypical for us to be so, you know, uh, we're so solid defensively normally under under Tomas Tuchel. You know, Rudiger playing well, Tiago Silva. But um, for us just to kind of leak goals like that is is not really – especially after our champions league run last season. I mean, we, we were impenetrable. Our defense was impenetrable and then to just leak goals for fun in over two games, it did really feel like the low point. And I really think that um, it it was because it was unvery uncharacteristic of us to lose in that way. And it's, I think it goes to show though that we can't, we can't just look at one game and and determine what the rest of our season is going to be. I think as I think at least on Twitter, what you see is not necessarily doesn't doesn't as we know doesn't represent what really what the situation is because it, everyone goes into meltdown and this you know this group defends this player this group defends another player and tries to cancel each other out and um it's just important to remember we're still in competitions we're we're not out of the champions league yet let's not pretend like we are we're we're in the semi-finals of the fa cup we're you know we've won trophies this season so um, and then amidst all this with the crazy ownership situation, which, by the way, no other team in the league is having to deal with at the moment, um, I, I really think it's important to remember, keep it in perspective, that it was two big games, yes, but not, but just two games, and we're not out of anything yet. We had to take it one game at a time. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
1: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
0: many more doors. The show
1: is called The The Deal.
0: Deal.
2: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And that we did, and we moved on to Southampton. It's quite funny because, again, looking at it, the T-News came in. And people were not that enthusiastic about that team. I can't lie. Seeing Ruben Loftus cheek sort of starting again, I wasn't that enthused about. Seeing Timo Werner start, I wasn't that enthused about. But I did caveat it before saying he does actually do quite well against Southampton, and we will get onto that um, shortly. Uh, but Jess, obviously going into the Santa game before the game kicked off, what was your kind of just general feeling, like mood around the game? Because obviously confidence did seem quite low. This did sort of seem, you know, this the last sort of few days have been a really tough point in Chelsea season. And Sampton, a tricky side, a side that had drawn twice with Manchester City in the Premier League this season. We've seen them go, you know, way to Manchester United in recent weeks and get point, win away at Spurs. Um, so how, just what was your feeling sort of going into this game? Were you sort of just thinking like, oh, just, just try and sort of get it over with, just try and see if we can just sneak a win and then try and go on to Madrid? Or how was your feeling before the game?
0: Uh, for me, I think it was, it was actually like a reverse action. People were freaking out on Twitter a lot. And I was very frustrated with the, game, you know, with the the recent results. I think if the, the if it was just the Real Madrid game, it would be easier. But bec- because we came back, you know, it was straight after this awful loss uh, against Brentford. Um, you know, kind of made it everything seem a lot more heavy. But for some mystical unknown reason, I just had confidence. <laughs> In this game, um, I really have no reason for it, but I just had a feeling we would bounce back. I thought maybe it has something to do with with the quotes from from Tuchel and, and the fact that I thought he would just go <laughs> go crazy and, and, and bazooka on, on the players, and the fact that he said, "Oh no, this is not a time for opinions. I just have to share my opinion." And I just thought, you know, we the, the group of players that we had that we have are winners. You know, you might not like all of them. You might have your criticism, but they are winners. And we, we just, we are, we are world champions. So they know what it is to win. And, and I didn't expect them to, to take that loss lightly. So I was just expecting, but I think above all, hoping for, for a bounce back in this game. And I'm just very, very glad that it happened. Yeah, But no, I mean, exactly. even then I, I couldn't see it, you know, being as it was. So just just that more uh, that much more special.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I don't think any of us saw it be 6-0. But in the end, I think it varies from scan, We thought it might be worse than 6-0. We, we thought we could be inflicting Sampton another 9-0. I said, Chelsea took a 4-0 lead in the 31st minute against Southampton, the earliest any side has scored four away from home in the Premier League since Chelsea themselves in October 2011 at Bolton like in 27 minutes. Uh, one of the stars of the show today was Mace manners Massey in fact, his best. Mace Amount has scored and assisted in a single Premier League game for a fifth time this season. No player has done so more in 21-22. 20, in uh, he leveled with Mo Salah. And Pat, this is one I guess I'll start with on Mace. He did bag a brace. Obviously, he is a we know he's a childhood Pompey fan, so he'll have loved that even more. But just how nice of it to see Mace Amount, you know, again, looks sort all of back to his best because it's been, I guess, Mace Amount feels has been, you know, a conversation point around Chelsea for a while, because we look, we're talking about a player who is statistically improved a lot on last season, statistically, one of our better performing players, but because of the, the expectations on Mason for how highly we rate him, we actually sort of feel that Mason himself has not really, he's not been his usual self for, you know, for a while, you know, in this season. So how nice of it to see us sort or of see the Mason we know, sort of back to his best.
1: Oh, it was fantastic. I'm a, anyone that knows me knows I'm a humongous Mason Mount fan but I also think it's okay to judge him because, you know, because he um, you can judge him because he set that high standard for himself. And um, I think today, Nick, Nick and Jess, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's now a double digit goals. I think they've got him up to 10 goals for the season. Um, and I think it's what 10 goals, eight assists or something along those lines. And so, so the, so the stats are there. I mean, he's, you know, goal involvements have been, have been phenomenal. Um, he's Uh, he struggled recently as have other players. It's not just him. I think it's important to remember that, that it's not, it doesn't all just fall on one player. You know, we win and lose as a team. And, um, but to, to see not only, you know, let's start with that assist that he had today, that, that, that chest, you know, and laying it off for, for Marcos Alonso. I mean, that goal doesn't happen without that, without that beautiful setup credit to Marcos for finishing it, of course, but, um, that was a beautiful setup. And then, just that shot from outside you know from outside the box uh you know he, it was that and it was his energy um i i really feel like when when mace is you know mace always tries that's the thing about him that i really appreciate is that he's he's kind of like that um he's that he's kind of the soul of our side for me and i know not everyone's going to agree with that but I, I really believe he is and he's kind of the heart and soul of the side and when he's playing well i think that we play well and he's just kind of the engine and um yeah, so to see him like not only get that assist but to get the goal today and kind of really take take us off to the races, I really thought it was it was a beautiful thing to see because as I said before, I absolutely love Mason Mount.
2: Yeah, two goals, one assist, three shots on target, one big chance created, four tackles, four out of five ground jewels, one one out of one aerial jewels, one. It was the Mace we've uh, come to know and love. Um, Jess, how just like encouraging was it to see sort of Mason? Uh, sort of back to his best. And also I guess, you know, looking at it, sort of perhaps in a, you know, a position maybe more favoured for him, you know, because again, there's been a lot of discourse, you know, this season about, you know, we sort of playing him, you know, sort of in back front three where he should sort of be playing further back. Obviously today was, you know, I think given the sort of opportunity to play that little bit bit further back. But just your kind of just general assessments on Mason, just kind of how you've kind of assessed the season that he's had so far. Cause it again it kind of really does split split opinion on, on Chelsea fan base.
0: Yeah, I think on Twitter you're either say he is the worst player that has ever played for Chelsea or he is this world-class player that is the most brilliant player that ever played for Chelsea. And I think it's, you know, I don't know why it's so hard to find a balance. He is a top player. We're lucky to have him. He proved that he is, um, that he is important, that he can be important. And I think he will be uh, very connected to our future. But it's also okay to criticize him, as Pat has said. Um, you know, he, he hasn't been having uh, great games recently, uh, or games where he had, you know, he hadn't really played to the standard that we're used to seeing him play. Um, so there's a lot of talk about the haircut, um, haircut magic uh, that he had today. So it's just it's fantastic to see him be important again and scoring goals and assists, and above all, just playing well because he hasn't re- really been playing well. So I think apart from the assist, apart from the goal, he just played well. He was pressing all the time. He was in the right place at the right time. He was giving passes, um, duels and everything. So it's very, that was incredible for me to watch and to see him back to his best. And I think he himself was frustrated that he wasn't uh, performing to the level that he wants to perform at. So I was very excited uh, to see that happening. Um, I think before this game, he had 15 goals and assists. And after this game, he has 18 goals and assists. And I think it's, sometimes you have to take a step back because I've seen a lot of criticism saying, oh, he has 15 goals and assists, but a lot of them came against Norwich and whatever, whatever. So I think people sometimes are, are, are too harsh on him. And sometimes people are not harsh on him enough. I don't know. It's just about finding that balance. Um, I myself, same as Pat, I'm an incredible uh, a big, 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 huge Mason Mount fan. Uh, I just want him to succeed. I think he will succeed. He is succeeding, um and yeah. So I was just very excited, and again, just to see him playing well and being important. And I think together with with Timo, you know, they were my man of the match. It's between the two of them, so it's incredible.
2: Yeah, Mason Mount said ten goals, eight assists now in the Premier League. So again, that's one about attackers, if you will, in double figures. So, which, again, is what we, we've we wanted to see. We need, you know, you look at the likes of City Liverpool, they get their attacks in double figures, and Mason Mount is our first attacker, if you will, into double figures goals-wise in the Premier League this season.
0: So, uh, Just one thing that I f- forgot to add, I think you mentioned as well, um, he, he today had a lot more space to go into the middle, so I think that helped a lot when he goes to that central mid and, and is allowed to run there. He he performs a lot better, so I think that had a direct impact on his on his output today.
2: yeah. Also, I think the way Sampton played also probably helped as well. That was, you know, if you're out of space, we've actually Chelsea side got caught. If only we could play Sampton, if only Timo Werner could play Sampton every week, we'll be on to Timo Werner uh, shortly. BSA Mason, 10 goals, eight assists. said so on the com- on the talk about Mason Mount, I think, he yeah, said, there's two extremes and reality is somewhere in the middle. And I think, you know, a lot of the people, you know, Mount's people who love Mace, Brayton very highly, or I say, are critical because we know how capable he is. And what he is, you know, what he can do and what he can go on to achieve. So, look, please for Mason. That was brilliant to see today how good he was. And, yeah, hopefully, you know, he can kick on. But, as I say, 10 goals, eight assists in the Premier League this season, already improving on, on the output from last year. And he just, you know, that gradual, gradual improvement in numbers. Uh, and said, it's also men at times this season where even if he's maybe not been as, you know, consistent or as faithful, like he still popped up with big moments in games to, to win us points, etc. So, it was nice to see. And it was nice to see Timo Werner do well for the first time in, in what feels forever. I feel like I could actually speak really positively about Timo Werner's performance. He somehow st- he still you know had misses which I can't really explain. Uh, the poor lad somehow hit the bar you know from about three, from a few yards out uh, from a header. You'll see at the post early on, but he did get two goals, um, and that meant that you know Timo Werner scored five of his nine Premier League goals against Southampton. As I said, fifty that's fifty six percent. His Premier League goals and all four of his goals, all, all three of his goals this season in Premier League have come against Southampton. Pat, as I said, Southampton, like they are probably the one team you yeah, that we've played but really suits how Timo Vernon likes to play the amount of space. They do leave him behind. But just you know, how nice of it to see Timo Vernon perform well, because we know he's had a difficult time. We know that reality is he still may well be off at the end of the season, but just how nice of it to have the Timo Werner just to sort of have that, you know, a sort of a day out. If you want just you know, it was just nice to see Timo Timo do well.
1: Oh I I'm delighted for Timo. I mean even today where some some luck still wasn't on his side. I mean imagine another player you know hitting both posts, hitting the crossbar and having having an assist off of one of the posts uh right to Kai but also to at the same time have a have a very composed finish for his first goal and finally have a little shred of luck go his way for that second goal where it falls right in front of him to finish i mean if anyone deserves that it's timo because as frustrating as a player as he can be and like last weekend i was particularly frustrated with him because i didn't see the effort that i normally see from him today that e- it was the polar opposite the the effort was there and you you saw the desire of what of what i would say 99% of the time i think he wants to play well he wants to score but you know sometimes luck just isn't on his side and it's just things aren't falling for him it's kind of I don't know if this is the right comparison, but it almost feels like Fernando Torres at at Chelsea at times in terms of like, just nothing will fall. And, you know, obviously sometimes that comes down to your own personal performance, but today, like you said, I wish he could play Southampton every week because, um, because, you know, I mean, today just a complete performance, he was making things happen. Even if, even if he didn't get the hat trick, we all wanted him, we all wanted him to get, he was winning. He was drawing fouls. He was, you know, he was moving. He was, you know he was the turbo Timo that we all know and love, and he put the ball in the back of the net. And he and he was a chief reason why we played so well. And um, just really, really pleased for him because after all the bad luck he's had in his Chelsea career so far, no one else deserves more to have the kind of day like he had today.
2: No, no, exactly, exactly. It was it was nice to see see Timo Timo shine. It was nice to see him, yeah, do well and sort of show glimpse of a player. But we know he's capable, of and know we won. Uh, no, we'll know the one that we bought when we signed him. so no exactly it was nice to see him nice to see him do well uh I'm gonna you know other goals obviously Kai got got a luck goal you know again he he was prof- he prompted from one of Timo's misses hitting the post and being there to to rebound and obviously as we mentioned the first goal was from Marcus Alonso that was his first goal since the opening day of the season against Crystal Palace in Premier League but is anyway and say Marcus Alonso didn't really put a foot wrong it was nice to see him do do well there obviously he quite unfortunately was out with Covid and we'll have to see if he's back for the Real Madrid game but again in general just nice. You know, Chelsea didn't really have any scared defensively. Mendy made one really good save, I think, when we were four or five nil up. Um, but again, there's not really too much to say. You know, Ruben it was probably a decent, encouraging performance. Obviously, putting the cross for for Timo's uh, head of the hit of the bar, and you know he was pretty solid. Kovacic again, I think, just say solid. Uh, you know, he never really lets you down, with Mateo Kovacic. And yeah, it was just a it was just a very nice, uh, nice day out of the office. Really, yeah, everything Chelsea did well. And as said at the time of recording, obviously. Arsenal lost to Brighton, which was lovely. Chelsea moved eight points clear of Arsenal. Manchester United lost to Everton and obviously as as big Frank Lampard fans, as we all are as Frank Lampard fans as well. See Everton get a win and move a bit bit safer, a bit closer to safety. And also just, you know, pretty much probably end Manchester United's slim top four hopes was also incredibly nice to see as well. As It felt today probably felt like a quite big day in the top four race. In a way, obviously, we see Spurs are playing Aston Villa right now. I believe Spurs are winning, unfortunately. But it doesn't really matter because we only need, you know, to come fourth. Uh, but we're comfortably third at the moment, which is very
0: nice to see. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm going
2: to move on to listener questions. First question comes in from Connor. First off, let me just say both amazing guests. My question is, do you think this might be a turning point in Timo Werner's Chelsea career or is it just a full glimmer of hope we'll fizzle out again soon? Uh, Jess, I'll give this one to you. I guess it depends how optimistic you are I and mean, how you kind of view it, half, half half full or half empty type thing.
0: I think it is very hard to define this because, I mean, Southampton play with a very high line. And as Fed said, what was frustrating about Timo for me specifically um, in, in recent games is that, you know, we all fell in love with his runs, right? So even if the finishing sometimes didn't work, he was always running, he was always dueling, he was always, and, and in recent games, it, it felt like he didn't run almost, or he would start to run and then stop and come back. And that was very frustrating. And I think in this game, we saw the turbo Timo back and he was always making the runs and he was always trying for, for, for that. And the fact, you know, as I said, the high line really helped. I don't know if it would be a turning point. Um, I, I can. I, I love Timo, right? So I would. I would only hope so. I could only hope so. But I, I'm. I'm not sure. Um, it's very hard to to say that. I, I really don't have an answer for that. I can only hope. I can only hope so.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. Konak, I'm going to say it's uh, full screen. Referees for out Sorry. Uh, it was nice, but I'm pleased. i pleased to be able to say that. That goal, especially his first goal when he actually you know rounded the goalkeeper. That's the type of goal we kind of signed Timo Werner to score. For,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Really it's nice. it's the, almost like the, the Leipzig Timo back, right? We got him, but it's just one game. So I'm not sure we can make any conclusions based on, on that. If he goes on to start against how and then puts up that performance again and, and builds on to that. So we can only hope, I think. Sorry, connor
2: Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Uh, next question comes in from RJ. Uh, phenomenal win champions. Questions, given the emphatic win, how similar would this lineup be for Madrid? What did you make of RLC at right wing back and his partners of AC and then Reese James and who partners Kovacic against Madrid? So there's quite a lot to unpack there. So uh, first part of the question, how similar would the lineup be for Madrid, Pat? I guess this is, we'll just do all, what would be this part. We'll all choose our starting 11 for Real Madrid. So Pat, who's, what is your starting 11 for, for Real Madrid second leg?
1: Ooh, uh, let's see. Um, I'm, keeping, I'm keeping Mendy in uh, because I don't think you know i i i think he's just too good to leave out um I've been going back and forth on whether i want a back three or a back four um you know um well first of all uh Tiago Silva in the heart of defense that's to me there's no question about that tiago Silva has to be in there antonio Rudiger has to be in there um I'm going to go a back three and I'll, I'll throw Christensen in there only because I think that he's much better in a back three than playing out on the right on a back four um, or playing outside at all. I know he was deputizing for, for Aspie today. Um, Well, I'm trying to think. Um, Well, I'm going to take that back. If Aspie is back, I want Aspie in that back three. um, If, uh, if he's back from COVID. So if, if, if he's ready, I want to take, um, AC out and put SPN. in, um, Reese James out at right wing back. Um, I'll throw, I'll throw Marcus in there at left wing back. Um, in the middle, Mateo Kovacic has to play. I, I think that, um, and then for the type of game that we need to play, I'm going to, I'm still going to throw Angolo Kante in there. Um, then, um, let's see, um, up front. Uh Kai at the you know, Kai up top. And I'm gonna throw um uh, Mason Mount and Hmm. You know, I'm gonna throw Hakeem Ziyech in there.
2: Very nice, very nice. That is past team. Uh Jess, what's your team looking like for Madrid? Any big changes from what, what Pat suggested?
0: No, not a lot of big changes. Uh, after the the Madrid game, I was certain that AC would not play again. And I wasn't expecting him to play this game uh, against Southampton. But because he played against Southampton and he was very solid, he looked a lot closer to what we were used to seeing him, I wouldn't be surprised to see us go against Real Madrid with a back three again. And as Pat said, I would I would still go for Osby if he's back on that uh, right-hand side. But if it's not, then Rudiger, Tiago, and AC, Rhys James has to be Alonso. Um, the reason I would go for a back three... Is also because of Alonso. Um, uh, midfield, same Kovacic, Kovacic, Conte, and up front, Kai um, made him out. And here comes the big question because I would normally go for, for Pulisic there, but he didn't have the great game against Real Madrid. He didn't have a great impact today again. Um, <sighs> I don't know. I think I'm going on emotion here because I would say he's Timo Werner, but I think it's it's it's, <laughs> it's maybe just a reflex on, on today's game. But if we're keeping today's game suspended and Hak- Hakim would have to start that game, but I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see Timo start. But again, um, I, I I would have to make a point here because Real Madrid doesn't play with they don't play with a, a high line as Southampton, but they won't have Eder, who's very quick, so they will have Nacho there instead. And even though they have a Alaba, who's very quick, they will have one of the center backs who's very very slow. So the speed can can well be a good a good choice there. So I'm going to go with motion. I'm going to say team Verona.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Pat's team because like I say I like love midfield, like love that defense, and I think I'm going to go with Hakim Ziyech purely because I think we're going to need to. We we created quite well against Real Madrid anyway. But I think we can have someone like Hakim Ziyech that can make a difference. Cause ultimately, what well, I get the point about Timo Werner and Bishop defense, also think round drew to free one up. So they probably bake they're probably the ones who can actually sit back and try to get us on the counter. Uh, which means Timo Werner sort of dribbling, you know, at a potentially a, a lowish block does not really uh in, you know excite me or, or get me, you know, too believing too much. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Hakim Ziyech as well. Again, I just think unfortunately we didn't really talk about it. Christian Puget, unfortunately, was pretty anonymous against her. Uh, against Real Madrid, and he really, really did struggle. He would be, you know, increasingly his price that again. he'd been, you know, he'd been the one you'd been saying, I want him starting in that lineup." but I'd probably go Hakim Ziyech, although, again, he didn't really do much when he came against Madrid, but I would go, he's probably Vermo, about just one sort of player who could create something out of nothing in our attack, so that's what I would go with. Uh, I think, you know, that does mean Vance Achayam's question, who's your third player again, uh, alongside Kaya Mount, uh, Pat and I have gone, Hakim Ziyech and Jess has gone for Timo Werner. Um, it means, Jay's question, the only question is, can we pull out some magic in Madrid? Can we do it? This is this is a big question. Can we do it? We're three-one down. As Pat said earlier, away goals do no longer count. So we've got that going for us. Real Madrid, I'm think, have only have lost, have lost uh, in the past from you know a, a first leg lead. I think Ajax in 2019, although that was two-one, not three-one. Uh, Pat, can we do it? Can we turn it round?
1: Absolutely. We can. And we only had to look back at what we did, you know, doing that magical 2012 run against Napoli. And, um, you know, it's, you know, we, we have, you know, we have players as, as Jess said earlier, we have players that are winners. We have, you know, these are, these are the very same players that, that, that won the champions league last season. Um, and, uh, I think that away goals rule is huge because it, that really changes the, 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 the landscape of the tie for me. If it was, I'd, I'd probably have a much different answer if the away goals rule still applied, but you know, I'm not going to, you know, I didn't expect us to win six nil today. And I understand that Southampton is not Real Madrid, but Real Madrid also got, um, got uh, annihilated at home by Barcelona. And, um. So you know, the, while their defense is much more solid than what we saw against Southampton today, uh, they they know how to lead goals too. Um. You know, in in and in, in and in a big game for them. So, uh, you know, it's not over till it's over. And I think we have every chance if we show up and play play like we did today.
2: Yeah, Jess. Just- Go to sort. Is it kind of just the old cliche that if we get that first goal, then you know we really we're really back in, but we really need to be score. We need to score the first goal on, on on Tuesday night.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it was the same feeling that we had on, on at least. I think most of us had uh in the first leg for for the first half. It was like two nil, but if we got that one goal, we can come back in the second half. And unfortunately. Uh, we had that mistake. But if, if we didn't, I would be very confident that we were getting at least a draw in that game. Um, as Pat as said, I think I think we can do this. I mean, I'm not expecting us to, but we have we have a chance and I wouldn't count us off yet. And I think actually today and, and I didn't see a lot of people talking about it because Southampton you know, didn't offer a big go, uh, big threat to our goal. But Mendy did a really, really great save. And I think it's great for his confidence. And we came out, out of it with a clean sheet. And I think that's very important because if we can keep a clean sheet against Madrid, then it's halfway there. I mean, they do have Benzema, but I, I'm actually expecting Tujo to come up with a plan to block him more. I think that really stressed him out. So um, I'm expecting us to to fight. And that's all I can, all I can ask for. Uh, but you know it's Champions League and it's Chelsea, so anything can happen. We saw really great comebacks. We saw Hama against uh, Barcelona. We saw the the hemontada from from Barca and, and PSG. Pat talked about Napoli and also you know it's it's European night, so I I mean I'm gonna believe until the very end.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. We've got to go out there and we've got to we've got to believe. And I think you know too cool... Too cool. After obviously, you know that first leg said when asked was you know Tyler he said kind of like pretty bluntly like no if we play like you know we did and you know if we we played like if we did against Hampton we'll be in trouble. Well we didn't play like that and we played really well against Hampton and I think ultimately these players now know that this is a really a really big chance. It's their last opportunity to sort of defend their their crown which they won last year and they will want to go out and and really put in a put in a performance and show even if they do go out go out with with a really good fight. I think that's something Bayern Munich not quite the same, they were 3-2 down, but they, you know, came so close again to, to knocking PSG out in the same stage last year. So we've got to, we've got to grab that. We can believe in the say, if we get that first goal, because it's one of those, we can get that first goal, hang in there and then maybe get one late and send it to extra time. Then you never, you never know what's possible. And I said, Real Madrid weren't that defence. They were decent. They weren't, you know, particularly, I didn't feel they were really solid defensively. We did still, you know, create a lot of chances we could have scored and really should have scored. I said, if it was 3-2, if we were three, two down, then I'd be, you know, very I would actually be a lot more com- we'd all be a lot more confident. I think, you know, realistically we probably, you know, fingers, you know, probably less than maybe 30 20, 30% chance we've got compared to maybe a, a 50% chance if we were were two, one down, but it's just the way it is. But no, we have this group absolutely can. They've shown what they're capable of and say, if the mentality is right, they can go for and set away from home. This team does seem to be better. And that's what we're gonna get onto for our final question. And it comes in from a good friend of the show, Jam. Can we play away every week? Because I'm just gonna up the stats here in the Premier League form table for home form we are not very high up we are three, four, five, six. We're, I think we're about 8th overall on Premier League home form table we've played 14 games at home we've won 7 we've drawn 5 and we have lost 2 we're taking 26 points from our 14 Premier League home games you compare that to our away form we've played 16 games away from home we've won 11 drawn 3 lost 2 and we've got 36 points which is 2nd best uh behind Manchester City and it's obviously level with Liverpool obviously we we'll have to see what happens when Liverpool play City uh tomorrow so Pat I guess on this do you have like a reason as to why you think we're better away from home but I'm because it is it is really frustrating when you look at it because that away form 36 points with the games we've got you know still coming you'd probably go which includes Leeds and Everton you know there's potential we could get 40 points away from home this season United as well and normally you go 40 points away from that's near enough pretty decent for a side going for a Premier League title so just how frustrating is it when you look back at the season that the home form just has been so erratic. We've only won 50% of our, our home games um, this season. As a result, it's probably why we're not in a, a Premier League tie race. And just for anyone who's interested, last year, our home form, we won only nine of our 19 home games as well. So it's it's not just a, a this season issue. It's a, it's a longer term issue. So Do you have any reason or any clue as to why we're better away from home than at home?
1: I don't know that I have a really good reason. I mean, sometimes the more I would argue that the pressure is more on you at home to get results because that's where that's where you look to get your three points or at the home matches because in a in not in a non-covid time, you've got your full support there and you've got the you know, you you you've got the majority of the people in the ground that are behind you and that would be the only thing that I could think of is that we're not you know, that the pressure can sometimes get to us and that if we're not if we're if we're not playing well initially at home that maybe if the if the fans aren't behind you you're feeling that pressure but i don't think that's really a good enough reason because they're professionals and they've proven that they can deal with high pressure situations um but the other part of the question yeah it's it's definitely frustrating especially when if you've been a Chelsea supporter during the time when you remember Stamford Bridge was a fortress i mean you know um Jose Mourinho you know going what, what was it like you know did he ever at least in his first reign, he didn't lose at Stanford bridge. So, um, or, you know, he went, you know, two years and we had the, you know, we had the, we had the home, the home, the home, You know, the, the longest, the longest um, unbeaten home record um, in the, in the league. And um, yeah, it used to be the opposite that we would, we would struggle on the road. We'd go to places like Newcastle and, you know, St. James's park and we couldn't buy a win but now we're going on the road, getting, getting three points. And um, just imagine where we'd be if we, if we replicated our current, uh, you know, you know, like road form uh, with uh, sorry, away form, excuse me, with, uh, with home form. And uh, you know, we'd be looking at a much different uh, Premier league table at the moment, I think.
2: Yeah. Jess, just on that, do you like, again, any reason as to why our away from Bay, is it simply maybe just because teams have more of a go at us, when they're at home, thus keep creating more space, leaving more opportunities for, for this Chelsea team to, to really thrive on because said at at home teams do quite a few teams obviously do tend to sort of play quite negatively or a bridge, you know, low blocks, et cetera. And away and at home, they probably feel the pressure more and and the design expectation to actually have a go more. Is it, is it as simple as that or, or should there really not be that huge a discrepancy considering the quality this Chelsea team has?
0: Um, yes to all of that. (laughs) Uh, it shouldn't be a huge discrepancy because of the quality of the players. But we, we have been struggled to create this season, I think, at, at, in certain games, uh, or at least to finish off some, 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 some of our chances, especially easy chances. So obviously, when we face uh, the teams in their home turf, as you said, they tend to, to attack more. But, but even then, we, we, we face teams that don't do that. You know, Burnley doesn't do that uh, away from home or at home. They're going to play the Burnley way. So I don't know if that's that's a good enough. I think it, it's maybe an element or a partiality to that, but I I, I don't think it's a full full reason. Unfortunately, I don't think I don't think there is a logical reason, or at least one that sums up everything, or they can, you know, fully explain why we have that discrepancy.
2: Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm looking at Premier League table, we've only scored six goals less from Manchester City who lead the Premier League table this season. And it feels like a constant thing Talk about chelseas We do not put our chances away. We do not do this. And yeah, City have scored six more goals than us, but they've crucially got five more Premier League wins than us. So I guess that kind of is telling. And obviously, you know, we have had a few big wins this season, 6-0 against Hampton, 7-0 against Norwich. So obviously, that can also skew those stats a bit. But yeah, it's a... It's an interesting one, Jam. I don't know, but it's very frustrating, Jam. It's very frustrating because I've been to been to all 14 home games so far. and would only see us win uh, win seven of the 14 is uh, is quite frustrating, but uh, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, I think we've got to be thankful that our waveform is actually so good that it's meant well, we're not in a real dangerous top four scrap for the first time in, in for a few years. We're actually comfortably uh, in, it, in it. Jess, what did you want to say?
0: Um, just that I saw, I think Nizar tweeted out that we just equaled our... Um, I think it was seven consecutive away wins today, our record of seven. So it's good to say, come on, let's do and get the eight there and, and break that record with with Madrid. So it's at least a good thing to look forward. Uh, it's it's our away form at the moment.
2: Yeah, no, exactly right. Yeah, Chelsea equaled their record of seven successive away wins in all competitions after the 6 nil drubbing away at Southampton. No, exactly. This Chelsea side have been have been very good. And in general, I think, you know, going past that, that bright, uh, that. Sh- Freak horrid to show against Brentford at six wins in our last seven in the Premier League. So in general, the consistency has been there a little bit bit more. Obviously, quite a few of those games were away from home. And actually, say this just side on the road is doing very well. Obviously, that's maybe partially due to some opponents playing some of the sides near the We did have, you know, after a difficult sort of December-January period, the last sort of couple of months we have played had relatively kind fixtures on paper. And obviously, as a result, I think that's kind of helped us pull clear of uh, the chasing pack and meant the top four is really you know shouldn't really be too much of a concern. Said with results today, we're eight points clear of you know Arsenal, who will be in uh, fifth place, which is which is lovely stuff. Uh, that's all the questions we got sent in this week. We lost to, we lost to Real Madrid, but we beat Samton. It was still a very fun episode to record. Before we go, I want to say a big thank you to our guests for coming on to Pat for just coming on, and as always, do I get him to give himself one last plug. So Pat, thanks again for coming on and said, whenever I've had you on, we always do talk about wins. You know, I think unfortunately you did have to talk about around your last time, but in general, you are Mr. up 100% Man. Whenever I ask you on, we do tend to follow up with, with a win after I've asked you up. Um, so before we go, just tell the listeners where they can find you on Twitter, you know, give yourself one last plug.
1: Well, Nick, uh, thank you again for letting me, for, for letting me come on to your, to your pod. It's one of the best ones out there and, and Jess, an honor to be on with you and, um, um if you, again, if you are just looking for little short videos about match reviews, match previews, um, positive videos that I try to put out, you can find me on Twitter at, at PTP underscore C O Y B. And again, just an honor to be on with two people that I really respect and admire for their Chelsea knowledge. And Nick, thanks again for, you know, you, you know, all your great success and, um, you know, one of the best Chelsea pods that's out there.
2: Oh, Pat! Thank you much for the comments. And before I hand over, Jess, Travis has literally just sent a question, in, and it's for you. Ask Pat who will win a league title first, Chelsea or the Colts?
1: <laughs> uh y- you know, I guess I would say based off of, um, based on the based on the division that the Colts are in versus the versus the current form of Man City and Liverpool. I'm going to go the Colts.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. And. Jess, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. We've obviously, if you finally, you know, finally got you on. Um, before you go, tell people where they can find you on Twitter, and obviously, if you want to give one last plug to uh, the Justice Supporters Group in Brazil.
0: Um, it's very hard to, to go after Pat because, I mean, he's just the sweetest and kindest person all around. But um, I'm going to steal some of his words and say thank you very much for having me. I love your podcast, so it's an honour to be here um, and to be here with Pat, who I admire very much. Uh, my plug is also going to be for Pat, because if you haven't been following him, I don't know what you're doing, because he's one of the most um, kind, respectful person out there, and there's just great content, so you should be following him. Um, for me, it's just uh, to have someone to talk about uh, Chelsea. I'm just a regular fan. You can find me at, at Frota and also the supporters group at Chelsea Brazil. Brazil with a, an S, not a Z as in English.
2: Yeah, those links will be in the description. But I make sure you check Jess out. She's a lovely girl and she knows her stuff about football. She's a great follow on Twitter. And she's a lovely, bubbly personality you should all interact with. And the same goes, to Pat, a top, top guy. The pleasures, privileges of doing a podcast, meeting great people. like The two guests we've had on today. As for us, we're on Twitter, at Bad Chelsea Pod on Instagram, at Bad Pod on all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, leave us a rating and review. It goes a long way. Uh, play the pod to anyone with a functioning pair of ears, please. It, again, is greatly appreciated. Whenever I tweet, if you're on Twitter, whenever pod goes out, like, retweet, again, goes a long way. Just putting it on top of people's timelines, helping other people discover us. You're just going to meet new people all the time now. And, yeah, until the next episode, everybody, keep a blue flag.